Beardy and the Beast, The Second Wall. This is a placeholder intro song. Welcome to The Second Wall, binge-free zone where we look at a series and discuss it in small chunks. This time we are looking at Joss Whedon's sci-fi classic, Firefly. We can be found on most podcast and social media platforms, a full list of which can be found at beardyandthebeast.com. Please watch the episode and then join Drew and I in the mess as we explore the verse. Happy right. Unification Day! <laughs> I mean, everyone's happy about Unification Day, right? Get rid of those rebels. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, this dumb independence. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually figuring... Um, this episode lends itself really well to world building. So I know that's kind of how we're focusing this one here. So I actually wanted to talk about that part. Yeah, really. Um, I noticed that right off the bat that they were kind of doing this thing, um, in introducing, um, history and perspectives through world building rather than using history and perspectives. Um, to create world like a world building yeah it's is um, like kind of my perspective of what was happening in that bar scene yeah we, you get a get an idea right off the bat so i mean obviously with episode one we at least see the ending of of kind of the war um you know going to this backwater world where we now get to see oh some people are super happy about it and contrast it nicely with uh, with the town, I can't remember what it was called now, that they were in, where they were very much like, yeah, don't really have much use for the Alliance, they don't really have much use for us, so you get that kind of the opposing factions being built. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it works very well. Uh, we also get to see a good chunk more of the seedier side of life um with the introduction of niska mm -hmm. uh, so i think the sheriff helped a lot as well with just building the world in general so as i said um didn't really have much care for the alliance clearly they didn't have much care for them uh and he makes that quite clear and also his understanding when when Mal and them return the meds. It's like, no, I get it. Jobs are tough. Times are tough. You take what you can. And of course, basically letting him go because they did the right thing. Uh, well, I was wondering about that. I'm probably talk a little bit about it in a bit, but um, whether it was the fact that he was returning it or the fact that um, uh, Malcolm Reynolds' response. Mm. That was a very good response. Uh, yeah, I think we'll definitely get into that a bit more as we break into characters. Um, I think it was kind of, kind of both. I think again, this is this is the Wild West, mm -hmm. and showing you do the right thing. I think regardless of the response, would have been. Would have been okay. Well, the big thing is um, for the world building. Uh, so in the last episode, I was kind of indicating we, st we still don't know where our protagonists are on the spectrum, right? We don't know if this was a first-time watch, like... You'd think they're the good guys because they're the laughing fun ones, but I mean, they are criminals, right? So yeah. we don't have any like establishment of like the moral good or what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And this one kind of really helped to set that up thematically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they were able to elaborate on uh, using that guy in the bar and like his mannerisms and how much of a jerk he seemed to be and the fact that he was like rooting for the Alliance who was our suggested um, 
antagonist force or one of the primary yeah. ones, but was never elaborated beyond the fact that they were the law. Yeah. So in this one, having someone like this guy in the bar so wholeheartedly supporting them uh, helps to put another color on them. Instead of them just being another, we're actually getting some formation of them. Yeah, it shows that, I mean, even though I know throughout the series, like they are the antagonistic force here, um, it does show that probably most people don't have an issue with them. Mm-hmm. It's just another government. Well, and that kind of feeling was elaborated more by the sheriff too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we have the opposing ends, uh, as you mentioned, the guy in the bar who was saying, um, who didn't seem like a great person, uh, wholeheartedly celebrating where then we had the sheriff who was like, take him or leave him. Like they're no help to us. Yeah. I do think there's a little bit of framing in that. Like the guy in the bar. Yeah. Being a bit of being a jerk. Uh, I think some of that's framing too, to make us feel um, against the Alliance. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Cause this is a, like the crew of serenity are no saints. And like me, Walsh pointed out, it's like, yeah, you just happen to go to a very pro <laughs> unification day, uh, uh, pro alliance bar, bar on unification on day. unification day. You knew what you were doing. <laughs> um, and Zoe very much knew what she was doing. <laughs> like they, they went there looking for a fight. So yeah, they happened to pick the guy who was a jerk. <laughs> But that just makes it easier for us to sympathize mm-hmm. with the with the crew. Um, well, and that's the thing. Like it's def- it's definitely showing the perspective of the crew and the people who are out uh, on the rim. Yeah, which um, is I, I like what they're doing here um, with this entire episode because it's still for like. Putting the foundation and elaborating on and doing that world building for the series while putting our characters into a series of events. Yes. It's, it's clear that um, from previous projects that the writers and production team had been on um, that they learned a few, a thing, a few things that you can't just throw a bunch at the wall. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and that the like the most popular episodes of say like Buffy and Angel are ones like this episode here where they're building up the world while uh, elaborating on characters and having it as like a piece of the entire puzzle. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess one offs being things like musical and Muppet episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Muppet episode. That's a good episode. That's a great episode. <laughs> Um, um, and I, I like how, how they, again, they, I like how they used book and an aura to also build the world a bit. Mm. Um, so, uh, we, we had their brief conversation in the mess where, where it's like, why are you here? Like clearly you're respectable, clearly you can do these things. It's like, yeah, but we're not in a respectable area. So you take what you can get. <laughs> Sometimes it's legitimate. Sometimes it's crime. Um, and just that understanding. Uh, but it did make me a little... It just raises questions again around Glass. Or not mm. Glass. Book. Sorry, that's, his, that's the actor's name. <laughs> <laughs> um, around Book. Because... Again, we get those very clear indications that he understands this stuff. He, like, this doesn't, like, it's just his response with, oh, Niska, that's not good. Um, but it's confusing to have that and then him kind of being against the crime. It sounds like you know something. No, I mean, like, knowing the way of the world um, doesn't necessarily mean that, like, uh, 
you're going to like say participate in like the seedier parts of it, right? Fair. I guess some of this is because I mean, again, we know here how capable. Well, in the future, we know how capable he can be. So some of that's probably coloring uh, my judgment around that here. My my thing is that that conversation um, also kind of that conversation in the one between Simon and Malcolm in the med bay um, kind of started making me feel like uh, the Captain Reynolds is kind of like like a ferryman of the lost. Mm. So instead of like the ferryman of like souls to the underworld, he's um, ferrying people who are lost fundamentally, spiritually, um, like emotionally, etc. Yeah. Like I, everyone's running from something or have nothing and they're kind of like attaching onto Malcolm as if he's that like central kind of hub that mm -hmm. I kind of mentioned previous. Uh, yeah. One thing I really liked and I, I didn't think it was so early, but um, Reynolds word choices when he was talking to Simon, mm. uh, it's, it sounded like, concern about simon and his sister uh, as if they had been there far longer went to be confronted with the response of oh i thought you needed a medic it was just yeah. like an interesting series of word choices so i was wondering like is he already kind of like bringing him into the fold you know of the family he's not bit by bit letting those words slip yeah that kind of kind of jumped at me a little bit too because I, I thought the same thing is like I remember something like that happening but again I thought it was like three four like four or five episodes in mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was second episode they started doing that but I think they kind of go a little bit back and forth um, but again we, we kind of see that that's how Mal is yeah very push and pull yeah um, and, and we see that like even with with his interactions with pretty much everyone, with with Kaylee, with Zoe, not Zoe, Anara, uh, we see that very clearly. It's like, no, work first, then play, and get your hair done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it it's, doesn't matter that it's there's reasons why everything was kind of a mess like it was, but still needs to get done. Um, and we just see more of Anara and and Mal's interactions. It's like they both clearly care for each other, and they both have no problem teasing each other or telling where to go, telling each other where to go, um, which is nice. I mean, that's only a real appropriate response to uh, Mal. Yeah, like. <laughs> If if it wasn't for the fact that it seems natural, I I would expect that just to be like her using her formidable um, companion training, but it comes off more natural than that, as if yeah. that's like their actual relationship. But if you were gonna like manipulate Mal, that would be the way to do it. It would, and I think the fact. I think the one thing that saves that from being, from it being an art caring and not, and that's just how the relationship is as opposed to it being the companion uh, manipulation, you said, mm -hmm. is again, going back to that conversation with book. Uh, when he asks, well, what can I do? It's like, pray. Well, I don't think Mal will like that very much. It's like, that's why I don't tell him what I do. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's, It's a good way to show um, that, no, this is, like, she does legitimately care. This just, this kind of brings up a thought, something that I was thinking uh, while watching this one, was when um, Mel said, uh, you're welcome on 
uh, this boat, uh, but your god isn't. Mm-hmm. So I throughout the series, like I I I, I got to peg it down because Malcolm used to believe in God, used to be a religious yeah. person. I need yeah. to figure out: did he stop believing in God, or does he believe in God and just think God betrayed him? Hmm. That is a good question, actually. I like. I'm gonna specifically watch it because, from my from my memory, I can, I think I can think of a few instances that would suggest either way. I think, like, yeah, I'll have to to watch for more evidence around that one. Um, it's. I want to lean towards he still believes in God. Mm-hmm. but feels abandoned. Um, I think that would fit kind of threads that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that could lead again to that shepherd of the lost. Uh, I think it leads to why there's such a, a large hatred towards. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, he would feel abandoned by other things too. I mean, the the browncoats, his faction basically abandoned them. Yep. Uh, there, there's the alliance has abandoned the the rim worlds. Uh, I think it would lean towards that more. Uh, I I can't think of immediate things pointing either way, but. Um, Again, just because they they made him holding that cross actually surprisingly prominent in that first episode, mm-hmm. it makes me think that no, this is feels abandoned, not doesn't exist. I really wonder. I'm definitely get, it's one of the things that I'll I'll definitely be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what what completely unrelated. That that color of purple that they were using for the Alliance soldiers, I really like that color of purple. I want my <laughs> motorbike to be painted in that color. It was good. a good color. It was a good purple. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. The I d- I didn't realize that they started expanding on. Uh, River's character so early. Mm. Like, eff- effectively, uh, episode three, and they're already bringing in the uh, the doctors. Yes. Yeah, again, that was one of those things that I thought was a couple episodes later. And it... I think I figured out why I don't like Summer Glow's portrayal of River, like, mm. at the beginning of the series here. Um, it's like a vocal atone thing. Mm-hmm. So her her physical acting, I feel like it's the right choices. Yeah. Um, they seem as natural as someone experiencing the world in an unnatural way could, um, move. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a bit of an elegance there, um, given what they kind of. how Simon explained the character. Like there is some confidence and elegance in her movements, but she's still like a very frightened child and like reacting instinctually. And I, I I feel her physical acting portrays that. And I'm wondering if it's just the, like it could just be the script writing around her character right now, but it could also just be like, I think it's tonal. Yeah. um, I definitely noticed that more this time around. Um, And because you know, I was paying attention to it and trying to take off my mm-hmm. my um, vision for how she was. Like I can definitely see the inklings of what happens. Like you do see her kind of snap between like three or four moods pretty mm-hmm. rapidly. Uh, and you're right; the, the the mood changes themselves, and the actions around that are done good. But the tone she uses for each mood is a little off. Um, it, it's 
The one she nails is the the quiet disassociative one, mm. where she's like mumbling incoherently to herself. That's mm-hmm. that's spot on, I think. Yeah, but like, uh, I wonder if I'm like also tainted by Simon because I like I don't like the acting for him yet. Yeah. Well, so I've got this kind of entered my my head a little bit while we're watching this here, and I think I might know what it is about mm. River that's throwing you off at this point. Okay. And and it actually comes from a line that Simon says in this episode. Um, it's like she's a child. Well, what do we know about child actors and Sharons? <laughs> are, you, are you saying Summer is a Sharon? I'm I'm thinking that because we have an older actress trying to portray someone childlike. Oh, uh, whereas Sharoning is where a younger actor um, is actually more mature than like the stereotype of a child that they're portraying. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So she, yeah, actually the Sharoning might actually be a good explanation. Mm-hmm. Cause I definitely noticed it there. Cause again, it's like everything about it's like, I believe she's crazy. I I believe she's swapping. I believe she's going through these quick mental breaks. But yeah, as I said, I noticed that tone. I'm like, I, I think that's what it was. Came across that. Just a little bit too childish. And I think that's probably why it grows more throughout the series. Because we actually get her more as a character. We get her a little bit more for lack of a better term, lucid, the, mm. the super childlike aspect goes away and we get left with the, you know, Cassandra-like quiet mumbling mm-hmm. uh, aspects. That's good. Like when, you know, actors and actresses, um, child or like people portraying, it's like, they're going for, you know, nine or 10 and they hit like five or six mm-hmm. and you're like, no, I'm sorry. That 10 year old doesn't care about the wooden train. Yeah. Like they're, they're a little bit more sophisticated than that. Yeah. I, I think that's a good analysis. I really do. Yeah. Because most of her moods nails it. Mm-hmm. It's, and that's the mood that we see her mostly in the first episode is the childlike, like the super childlike dressed out, not the, Oh God, I've gone through some shit. I almost like give it, given the fact that this is one season, I do like that. They started expanding on some of this stuff so early. Mm-hmm. Um, it does allow them to pour more content in faster and again they're doing it right they're actually doing world building and character building to start rather than um trying to develop the the characters on the fly yeah which a lot of series is that go for multiple seasons kind of end up doing yeah again it just goes to show the experience right like in Whedon has worked on some pretty memorable characters and said years of experience creating those characters. So knowing how to kind of jump in and keep it moving so we don't get, you know, the bit of a mess that season one of Buffy was. Um, it's a bit more directed in that regards, which is, which is good. Um, and I like how... And almost every character kind of showed their use throughout this episode as well. Mm-hmm. It's a good, good introduction. Um, I mean, really, the only character that didn't do anything completely productive was uh, Kaylee. She was kind of the odd man out, I think, in this episode. Uh, um, I would. I disagree simply because it's obvious that they're like with the troubles in the mechanical room, they're definitely setting up things for the future. 
like it's been aligned through a couple times and it showed her ingenuity so much that she was able to like at least temporarily bypass such a complicated unit um she wasn't super handy in the crime sure yeah but like it's quite clear that without her the ship wouldn't even get off the ground yeah for sure i i think i think that was meaning more is like exaggerated but a lot of it was that setup mm. as opposed to so um looking around the crime aspect um almost every other character showed that they're willing to get their hands dirty around it mm-hmm. right even anara by you know basically putting herself on the line to get them out uh, uh I mean, I know that kind of matters later on for Kaylee's character. I mean, I I sure hope they they go into huge expansion about Kaylee's character and not just be something like a you know flashback about Malcolm. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, overall, good a good episode, and it's. In in this one, you like said it quite accurately. Um, like I th- I think you nailed it down pretty good about it being about this episode really framing just how things are hard and like you do what you can to get by, and then the moral of the story at the the end. And this is what also frames our characters as being the. The good guys, I guess you could say, that altruism yeah. shines through even when you mm-hmm. are in need, even when yeah. it brings you to danger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they've done that a couple of times, right? I, I think so. Just going to the jumping with the world building and the altruism. Uh, that's another big thing with the world building in this is. What is in both episodes so far? The big commodity that they're stealing—that's this major thing worth we're trying for. It's basic supplies. Mm -hmm. Well, they mentioned food, and it was meds. Well, they mentioned this in the first episode with the quote that they put a few settlers with like a few hand tools and maybe a herd and make them fend for themselves. Uh, I guess that's technically episode two that they said that, but yeah, um, it it really shows like the basic necessities are um the most worthwhile thing. Yeah, um, and it is beginning to they they really are beginning to frame the alliance worlds and the outer rim worlds as a case of haves and have nots as well. Yes. It's the capital, and then the yeah, it's all of the it did. outer regions. So, like, it kind of gives you an idea of the kind of conflicts that you'll see in the future for this, mm-hmm. um, and how that frames everything. Yeah, oh, completely. Um, I know we've kind of talked over a bit about most of the characters here. Um, I like the further characterization around Jane and it's small things and you don't get this full character yet, but like in the bar scene, for example, uh, at the beginning, uh, I like how they're like, Jane, where are you for the fight? It's like, yeah, it's not my war. Yeah. I didn't fight no war. <laughs> uh, but still comes and helps them. Uh, so, so kind of, it's just because it kind of gives that ambiguity around it. Uh, I also think that they used Jane very well to kind of show the threat of Niska. Um, like the the exact line when they're trying to figure out what to do without Zoe and Hal there, and he's like, um, "It's like, no, they're you know they're not they're not nice and cuddly like me." <laughs> Talking about Niska and his men, and it's one of those things where it shows like he's not lying. He is definitely cuddlier than they are. What's the thing like, and they've repeatedly shown in the three episodes that, um, 
Jane is kind of belligerent and like a skilled person at the things mm-hmm. that he knows, but might be a little bit simpler than yeah. others, just uneducated, I guess you could say. Um, mm. But for for someone who at least comes off as fairly strong to be so panicked in such a situation mm. is what I saw. Yeah. And we saw that in the first couple episodes as well with um, the introduction of the Reavers. We see kind of that same thing. It's like, oh. So it, it's it's nice because normally his character archetype isn't the type that's complex, but they're subtly showing his complexities throughout it. Mm. And uh, again, just goes to show the 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 amazing writing that Whedon Whedon does on his projects, like the character building. I also think we got oh, and of course you know his explanation of what the chain of command is. <laughs> chain, I go beach until you know what the chain of, or who's in command. Yeah. <laughs> um. They used him very well again to just kind of show um, Simon Simon's resourcefulness. Mm. No, you don't really think of it. It's like he knew what was wrong, and or he knew something was going to go bad, so he, you know, drugs him, <laughs> and is surprised it took so long to take him out, which kind of shows the fortitude of Jane, and even when and again the skill of Jane with even when he was drugged out of his mind, he still managed to kneecap that guy, even though he was aiming for the head. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it just shows the, the competency, like just those couple of interactions shows the competencies around both of those characters very well. Um, just as a side note, I I do really like the fact that the fact that Jane was drugged up and couldn't help didn't put them in a less, like, a less strong position. Mm. Most shows would use that as directly like, oh, you know, a warrior's not there. Um, let's throw something complex that a warrior should be able to handle, but everyone else has to and make do and show their resourcefulness. Like, they didn't use that as a plot point, which I really like. There, there wouldn't have been room in the episode. But, um, but they did a little bit, um, like, I mean, we've got to remember that Zoe and Mal are also very capable. Mm. Uh, Anara and Kaylee did exactly what they should get out of the way. Yeah. Um, I thought Walsh's move was risky. That was, that was a, that was the part where I was going to say they, they threw that in. Like Wash still did something to to go in. And I think you know, some of that comes up a little bit later in the series with Wash's character. Mm. Um, probably why they, he did the risky thing, but it worked. Um, so and it just shows that, again, it was that not afraid to get your hands dirty and not afraid to jump in the fray mm-hmm. if you need to. Because um, it was... They weren't in a completely screwed position but they the fight was closer than it than they probably would have wanted it to be mm-hmm. I, I guess is the way to put it well yeah what i mean is like um no i guess i don't need to elaborate i do think we got to see a bit more of i think they showed zoe's and mal's relationship a lot better here mm. um and again, it was all very subtle. Or because again, they still didn't really much like the first episode, they didn't really spell out anything around them. But it was very clear to me how much Mal puts his faith in Zoe. Um because you were constantly getting those glances. Like he was looking for I almost read it as he was looking for reassurance. Yeah, reassurance, yeah. approval, uh, acknowledgement that it's the right decision. And yeah. like they've been together so long. I like, so he's not a vocal person. 
Yeah. Like she speaks up when something is very wrong or she really needs to um, smack some sense into Malcolm and she's the only one who really can. Yeah. But like, I, I think their, their relationship and like um, beyond friendship, like familial even. Yeah. It's kind of like, When Mal doesn't know the way, he can rely on her mm-hmm. to help point him in the right direction. Yeah. It, it, it's very clear that these guys, that the two of them, trust each other completely mm-hmm. and know each other completely. It, there's no issues believing that they've known each other for as long as they have. Again, just those glances. You could tell that they communicated mm-hmm. everything they needed to with a look, which is which is great and and shows why she's she's the first mate, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, she's not afraid to stand up when he needs to, but also knows to back him. And yeah, I think I think that was just, just really good building building those two. And again didn't need to say anything which is again a skill that yeah and if i if i recall not to give anything like super away they don't they don't seem to really go into it mm-hmm. with um zoe and mel they don't really expand on it significantly because the way that the characters are written and act around each other give you everything you need to know about them Mm-hmm. yeah you don't it's, it's you don't need like a whole episode about their relationship you know yeah yeah exactly it's very much it's almost like get that same type of idea with like han and chewy it's like mm. you just know that they've been together and they know what's going on you don't really need to know their backstory to yeah that's that's why when han died the wookie was the only one who showed any form of actual emotion yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Still choked. Yeah, there. it's like, yeah, <laughs> no emotion in that movie at all, except from the Wookie. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah, that was bad. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, um, let's let's it, talk it, about good sci-fi series, like <laughs> Firefly. <laughs> it so so with that Zoe Mal connection, it really it really entered my mind at this time it's like how would mal have turned out if zoe wasn't around i think um up until the battle of serenity it'd be the same but i think um he would be even more lost and self-destructive without zoe post uh valley yeah yeah, that, that's exactly the feeling I got too, and it's again amazing for them to do that in like an episode. Mm-hmm. Show that that type of connection. I mean, all that it was funny. All that was established in the conversation between Wash and Zoe in episode one, where she explained the loyalties, and it was obviously a friction point in the marriage between Wash and uh, Zoe. Yeah. Um. And that's the most like straightforward clue that they used. Everything else is very subtle and very well structured. Like, like those two actors are quite good. For characters again, I'm gonna switch to another one again. Um, one thing I did like with Kaylee is I think Jill State is very good at showing kind of that adventurous curiosity. Mm. Uh, I definitely noticed that like right. Right from the beginning again. Uh, and you see with like how what was this? Like she just like popped out from under a console or something. I think it was. And she just kind of had she's like, oh, I want to know about the big bar fights. <laughs> <laughs> um, you see that again. It's like, oh, yeah, no, we're going to do some crime. And just that pep around it. Like it. Was it's he? kind of a fresh air because 
everyone else knows <laughs> what's going on, but she still kind of brings some levity to it almost. Well, she's good. She's got a good eyebrow thing that she does where, um, which like con contrasted with like her kind of flighty, positive mannerisms, mm -hmm. but in her eyes and forehead, like you can tell there's like a search for acknowledgement or approval or affirmation is pro affirmation is probably the better mm. term. Um, like a lot of good acting choices there. But I think, yeah, I think a lot of it is in the brow and the eyes, somewhat, somewhat the cheeks, mm -hmm. but um, it's, it, it really frames like the atti attitude of her character as in like, she knows she's doing she's knows she's doing a crime and it's legitimately just part of life. Yeah. Like it's it's as reasonable to her that they would be doing a crime as refueling the ship or mm -hmm. you know making a meal or something. Yeah. Um but there is the curiosity as you said and uh she's she's unsure of herself. Mhm. Mm She's not um, incredibly self-confident in anything except for, like, her engineering. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it almost makes sense. I think just the scene with her and Inara, I think, kind of shows that, too. She's, she's kind of, like, unique in the crew. She comes across as much younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so less experienced, she's, she's not the type to get her hands dirty in that way. Um, but she's really kind of isolated in a way, like Anara is such a different class than her mm -hmm. and Zoe as well. Like she doesn't, I don't think she necessarily quite has someone to connect to. And I think you kind of see that with the way she's smitten with um with simon and she just has no idea how to do anything about it except for the oh would it be better with my hair up <laughs> um well i mean she's she's the no i guess that would be from established things from the future yeah <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it's 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 quite clear that she does come from like a different class, even um, not even compared to Anara, Anara and Simon, but definitely different than Mel and um, Zoe. Yeah, uh, yeah, like you get the feeling that it's probably most similar to Jane. Whereas Jane would be like that troublemaker down the road who keeps getting in trouble with the sheriff. That actually, that actually works pretty well. Cause what, what I was thinking is like thinking back to my old tabletop days. Um, it's, she comes across as a street kid who always had someone there to protect her from what, mm. like the actual, dangers of committing a crime so mm -hmm. so actually that the jane like tying her with jane actually works really well there it's like oh we do have pairs like the, in this yeah oh geez they're just yeah because we got an Ara book yeah keely jane simon river malcolm um zoe yeah and then washing the ship <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my theory <laughs> fell out on itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's, that's almost what I feel like. And it kind of goes back to like the family unit that they clearly build in serenity. Mm. Like it, it's clear. It's like, again, that brother, sister, almost brother, sister relationship between um, Jane and Kaylee. Um, so, and, knowing how it builds it's good to keep an eye on these things mm -hmm. <laughs> and seeing it this early again we've talked about many things that we both thought were later on and clearly worked 
Yeah, I'm beginning to wonder. I I originally remembered that I could have swore that the train job was the first episode, not the third. But... So there's a reason for that. Hmm. The original airing of it. They started with the train train job. So it was the first one aired on TV. Which it was kind of something I wanted to touch on. It, it's I get that they wanted something more action packed, and this episode definitely is, and still does a lot of good world building. But of from what I remember, of all of the episodes to air out of order, Serenity and the Train Job needed to be in the order they were in, <laughs> because it just makes the Serenity episode feel feel like a filler episode almost like oh now we're seeing how everyone got on the ship as opposed to just starting with i mean how the, everyone got on the ship <laughs> people blame the order of the episode release being a major part of the issue but honestly i think this uh show um when it was released was not something that was in vogue like People didn't understand the concept. People, um, this type of show wasn't popular as of yet. Yeah. Um, like it would have made more sense if this came, I mean, I know this is a direct comparison. They're very similar, but it would have, this show would have made a lot, whole lot more sense if it came around, like when Westworld came out mm. or even a couple of years after um, what it did when like nerd culture started getting real popular in yeah. like 2005. Yeah. Well, this is kind of on the, kind of on the cusp of this, right? Cause I mean, yeah, I think it was Whedon just early. Was, yeah. Cause I mean, that's a big thing. Whedon is a big part of, I think the, the nerd culture becoming more mainstream. Um, well, I think, I think we got a, didn't we talk about this originally during the original? Yeah, when we were we were talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. If that hasn't been, if that's not out yet, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, how Whedon seems to be like ahead of the the curve when it comes to these pop culture things. That's yeah. probably one of the reasons why. Firefly, even though it's still my opinion that it's not like this magnificent glowing beacon of awesomeness that uh, a lot of people would have you believe. I would give it a B, mm. a B plus series. Like it's one season would have been S class in fourth season, probably. Yeah. But it only had one season, so it can't, can't be judged in that manner. Um yeah. But yeah, Whedon's usually like ahead of the curve on these sort of things. Mm. And sometimes they become pop culture icons during the runtime, like say Buffy and Angel. And sometimes they get canceled and far too soon, like Firefly. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I guess you're right. Because yeah, the series really did come out at a weird time. Now that I'm thinking about it, like I actually had to go and check up a couple of things about it. Um just like the release dates and such. Cause yeah, this would have been when Star Trek was kind of burning its last embers. Mm -hmm. right? I think that could be around the time like Voyager and such ending. Um, this would be, you know, around the time Farscape ending, like just people moving away from the sci-fi period. Um, and even though it's, Definitely much more accessible. Mm. I, think, I think it's the core audience of the sci-fi was kind of getting burned out because shows just weren't doing it well. Mm -hmm. And then you move it in. I, I don't think, I don't think the episodes being out of order mess it up too much. Personally, I, I do think it's part of that ahead of its time for what it was. It, or rather, is it just kind of more in between time periods, mm -hmm. right? If it had released a year or two earlier or a few years later, uh, it would have had. Um, I do think them moving the time slots around mess it up. Uh, 
the, the reason I bring up the this being released, being the first episode released, it's more, it seems like an odd choice looking yeah. at the series. Um, but well, again, I was it's more, more complaining about like, just people seem to, I don't think you've done it. Uh, mm-hmm. I know, like, I agree with you on the time slot changes because it was yeah. repeated and that harms the series. Yes. So much. Um, but the out of order on its initial release, like I've heard people just go on as if that was a major contributing factor. And I'm like, it doesn't help, but that was 1% of the, the whole. Yeah. And again, like, again, a lot of TV at this time, I mean, outside of like the harder sci-fis like do space nine farscape. Um, I think Babylon five would have run around this time as well. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, most shows were very episodal, very self-contained. Uh, right again, outside of those um, those harder sci-fi where they were very serial, Deep Space mm-hmm. Nine, another one I can't remember if I said that one, where you kind of needed to watch the episodes in order. This Firefly to me feels like a series that wanted to go that route, but also knew not to start that route. Mm-hmm. So, and, and we see that because the episodes are very self-contained, but it's very clear that there is an overarching plan. He has, like, Whedon knows where he wants to go with it. And again, same thing as we saw in Buffy. Like, it was very episodal, but there was very clearly a strong follow-through mm-hmm. in the plans. So, it's, people will, yeah, people will find any reason to figure it out but to figure out why it got cancelled it's like well, it. you're right though it's a lot more than just being out of order yeah it was it was definitely like out of time because yeah anyways that's, yeah. that's all I have to say no I um, think that covers pretty much everything let me quickly check see if I know down anything else but I don't uh, think we covered it all the uh, the original of the vampire slayer movie not the uh the television show <laughs> just gotta clarify because oh yeah i don't i don't get the, the the time nor ambition to uh do all of buffy tv yeah <laughs> yeah one of those things is like it might be a, interesting to take an episode or two as a filler arc or something. Um, yeah. Uh, well, we've pretty much covered everything. We, yeah, I'm good there. All right. Fiend. Fiend. Hey. Thanks again for huddling around the second wall with us here tonight. Join us next time as we continue our discussion of Firefly. Please join the conversation in the comments, on social media, or at our Discord. We would love to get your thoughts. And of course, if you like what we do, please share us with your friends. 